Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, December 11th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. It's going to be a quick show, and I know that for a matter of fact, quick for The Last American Vagabond anyway. I'm going to be on with Misty in less than an hour or so, about 4 p.m. Central Time. I want to make sure to get something out today just because I wasn't... Uh, we had the Pirate Stream episode yesterday, which was a really great conversation. I hope that you all tuned in. It was really... I, I always love the dynamic. We, all, we clearly don't agree on everything, and I, and I value that more than anything. I hope you guys will check out our... It was episode 22 yesterday. Today, I wanted to get to something since we haven't gotten to a daily wrap-up in the last few days, and I wanted to cover at least a couple of these topics. So we got about 50 minutes. So get this shared out, jump in, get ready. We're going to talk about a couple of important things in regard to primarily, well, actually, we're going to start with the, I, I forgot I moved this to the start of the show to make sure I didn't omit it by the end, in regard to the the Chinese cyber attack, which I only put that in quotes because of how skeptical I am be, due to a lot of things like the CTI League conversation, not in any way to suggest that China's not capable of that or that they would, that it's just as likely in my mind that China is responsible, but it, it comes down to the matter of why and what's the end game. My point, the reason, the reason I said I wouldn't doubt that they would is because there's a lot of reasons that would make sense, especially with the shifting political field, rather the geopolitical field in regard to how the U.S. government is losing influence around the world. And you could argue that China might see an opening there. But it comes down to whether you think this is in their best interest. And I mean, from like an empirical standpoint or uh, uh, empire standpoint, but not for the people. I never see governments acting in their people's interest. I just think that's quite naive, in my opinion. But I think what we can see is that it also, st- well, I mean, I, I want to wait to get into the conversation, but it doesn't seem likely to me now. Put us put it this way it seems far more likely, in my opinion, that this is the government using a real threat but in order to push you into a certain direction. That's what would be my assessment. But again, it's it's one of those for you to decide based on the evidence. But coming off the heels of Whitney's conversation around the CTI League and the really concerning, like, it's so interesting how, how we do it. But Whitney and I have these conversations. She puts out this amazing work, and then it almost always ends up kind of trickling out after that where these things play, you know, the cyber attack, Iran goes after a hospital, China attacks our, our I think, pipeline infrastructure. And all it really does is continue to justify the actions they already said that we need. And that will include the great reset type overlaps of digital IDs and kind of, you know, all the measures they will argue will make sure they can keep you safe. We're going to start with that. We're going to talk about the development around the, well, I guess more specifically the Hamas-ISIS overlap around the Gaza-Israel conflict discussion and how interesting it is the specifically Mossad idea of Israeli influence overlap connection with ISIS in particular and how that then relates to Hamas and what that means for the bigger picture around creating the divide, which then in a sense, I would argue completely and obviously proves they don't want a two-state solution. And then how that affects the larger conversation around what this really means. What are they trying to accomplish? If they're getting rid of Hamas so they can find peace with the Palestinians, how does that make sense if it's been clear that they've never wanted a two-state solution, and in fact have gone out of their way to stop that, going so far as arming the very people they pretend they're fighting to make sure it doesn't happen. Those are facts, by the way, not disputable. But does that mean that the Palestinians want a two-state solution? Well, you can disagree with that. I think largely the resistance elements and Palestinians in general have, which is 
in a way, a loss. I mean, you're talking about people that are fighting for their right, ter their rightful territory and accepting less in order to seek peace. It's a very different dynamic, but we'll get into that as well. We're going to talk about the building settlements, which is my point on how that leads in and how I already begin to see the outlines of turning the conquered area in Gaza or rather occupied and reoccupied area in Gaza. Or that's not even accurate, seeing as how it's never not been occupied post, uh, you know, 75 years ago, but that they pulled back, allowed it to become this open air prison and now essentially redeployed people to the ground. And we're already seeing areas, which I argue my opinion that this is being set up just to, to fast track settlements. And that is in every possible way illegal. And as everything we said was happening, that we were told we were conspiracy theorists. In fact, that we hated Jews because we pointed this out. And we're going to look at it happening. Then we're going to talk about more fake news, which I think is very important to go over. And if we have time, we're going to get into some conversation around the rape allegations that just continue to resurface. And as I told you, it's the same way the last time. No new evidence has come up. We're talking about the New Yorker now engaging with another person who already was talking to other outlets about what they think they've seen and what they're reporting. And that then becomes more evidence to the story. It's, it's I, you know, I, like I said before, damn them for making me continue to have to go through this story and, and do some talk about something like this that is such a sensitive topic. The reality main, remains. There is no provable evidence rape occurred. That does not mean it did not occur. It means there is no provable evidence. And if you are the kind of person that would argue it happened without provable evidence, which there is not, no matter what you claim, provable evidence in regard to forensic evidence that proves something happened, which is even Israel's, main, the, the level of their, the forensic teams admitted this to Times of Israel, that they did not have the evidence because the time window lapsed, which means they could not, even if they wanted to, bring it to a court of law. So it becomes subjective. You can argue it happened, but you can't claim that it's on ev that everybody else has to then go along with that narrative when it is about reporting, about investigation, about criminal accountability, not just opinions and narratives and discussion points, but provable accountability coming to the level of court and, and legal accountability. And the idea that they're trying to force people to admit that this has happened without the evidence is, I mean, I just don't even know how that makes sense to anybody unless you have an agenda. And we're going to talk about that if we have time, as well as a larger point to kind of follow up on the, what's the right word for it, mass arrests of innocent people that they're now using to claim they got a big Hamas win. Weird how we've been going, where are all the Hamas members? And then in like a three-day period, they round up all these people and go, there they are. <laughs> there, weren't you asking for them? There they all are. Turns out most of them, I argue all of them, were not Hamas. But now it's being reported by Times of Israel, by Haaretz, that the vast majority, almost 90%, were not Hamas. But my point is, none of them were Hamas. And this is the game that's being played. So now it's almost like a, a way to trick you into admitting they did get some Hamas. None of this has been proven. And it's about affiliated with Hamas, which to them means being a Palestinian. So let's start with one thing I just wanted to point out that I thought was interesting Today, it looks like, well, by the way, Rumble's down. If you guys are wondering why Rumble's not, Rumble is down apparently across the board. And it's so funny how weirdly ag aggressively defensive people are about these things. And that always shows you something. Like when you just go, oh, Twitter is bad or whatever. We have an opinion about it. People will take that to like personally. Twitter's fighting for free speech and you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, whoa, can't I just dislike the platform? It's, it's because there's an agenda around it, as we know. 
very clearly. And the same thing with most of these platforms. Rumble, I've been saying from the very beginning. I don't know why people, I, I know why, because it's a partisan two-party illusion game. Rumble has every single choke point that YouTube does. So if the argument is that YouTube is just going along with the advertisers or pressure from the outside, well, then ask yourself why those same people who also comply that a pressure and have already on Rumble haven't done so. doesn't make any sense. That it, It's either about censoring things they don't want you to talk about, which means they would do it there too, or it's about advertisers and not liking the content, so they would do it there too. There's no reason it wouldn't be happening to both. Amazon Cloud Services, everything, BlackRock and Vanguard, two of the top two investors in, in Rumble. And I might as well just grab that since people don't seem to believe that, which is interesting. What's funny with this claim is that when I show people this and they go, that's not true. And then I show them the link and they go, oh, well, that doesn't mean anything. It's like, wait, is it not true or does it not mean anything? Because you can't, it's funny how that game is played. But as you can see here on the screen, under Rumble Inc., you'll find Vanguard and BlackRock under two of the top two holders. Now, yes, that's not something that I, you could argue Rumble chooses, but it certainly matters. My point is, there's a lot of weird stuff happening today. Rumble being down one of them. I, oh, my point in saying that was that I believe people are arguing, and I've heard this in a lot of different group discussions, just completely speculative, that there's a, a funding issue or rather like a data issue that then gets claimed that it's, we're under attack because we're all about free speech, except you've already censored people on that platform, including Nick Fuentes, by the way, who not claiming I support his work, but he's been censored on that platform. And I've had, and so is Slow News Day, had videos removed and demonetized. Anyway, the point is, that there's all sorts of stuff happening right now. Twitter, interestingly, today, all day today, weirdly, right before I went live, it seemed to go away, but I had this thing. Oh, I do. You're right. Thank you. Somebody pointing that out. Have the uh, wrong logo. There we go. But that I was on all day today, and, night, and all of a sudden, I was getting this local rate limited notification from Twitter. Which is very frustrating, by the way, because I don't believe that's supposed to happen with a, a blue check account. But I get I weirdly dance in this limbo between being in it and not. As you guys, have, I just haven't talked about it in a long time because there's so many more important things going on than my engagement with Twitter. But it still happens. I think right now it's like I have like a, a blue check account on my phone so most of the time. But then on laptop, I don't. Like, for instance, you can edit it on my phone, but I can't edit when it comes to my laptop. I can get access to X, Y, and Z over here, but not over there. It's hilarious. Anyway, I think we're all in these weird little captions and areas and said cordon Twitter. You know, I've said it before. I'm I'm convinced this is some massive social engineering kind of observational experiment to see if they can corral us into extremism. And I swear that's what's happening. But in any case, I want to point out this local rate limit thing and all these weird. It seems like be like a multiple platform thing. Thought that was interesting. Now, quickly, just to point this out, so I don't want it to get missed. You guys have known this since 2000, 2020. Why? Because we've talked about it since 2020. And so have other people even before that. But just in case you were still wondering if it had been definitive, we showed you definitively with peer-reviewed science going back long before COVID-19 illusion land and well into it that they were, you remember, not statistically significant in reducing transmission, which was always the place. That's always the reality around masking. Always has been, always will be, because it's the obvious reality based on some pretty basic understand things, you know, like the size of the kind of thing we're dealing with and whether that can be, you know, you get it. We talked about it at length. The point was, though, in the beginning, they pushed the cloth mask. CDC literally had their mask page titled cloth mask. The link still says cloth mask, even though they've turned it into just a mask page, which we now know, which I showed you in 2020 was dangerous. 
per the peer-reviewed science from 2015 that said cloth masks increase your risk of infection. Funny how they went to that only and said, this is the one you should use. It's almost like they wanted everybody to get sick. It's almost like you should realize everything they chose was the thing that maximized your problem. Almost like it was intentional, almost. But my point is that the cloth masks were probably, as even they then said, Lena Wen and Gottlieb, almost simultaneously on two different platforms, Fox and CNN came out and said, wait a minute, cloth masks don't work, use N95s. And everyone said, okay. Or people that were stupid enough to follow along without thinking about it because you should have been like, wait a minute. Well, I'll hold time out. <laughs> Wasting all my time of ad-libbing about this topic. I should get into the main. See, I forget that we've only got limited time. Point is, N95s also don't work in regard to reducing risk of statistically significant a statistically significant reduction in transmission in regard to COVID-19, flu, or whatever you want to say we're dealing with. And a new study, Kevin Bass points out, finds the same damn thing. The best evidence shows no effect of N95s on respiratory viral infections in general, even among healthcare workers who know how to wear them properly and get specially fitted ones. Imagine Mr. Karen Stalker Mom thinking she's stopping this with a, a, a lanyard or rather a crochet face mask. It's just so sad how willingly people will fall into these kind of manipulations. Not only are these not working, but you're hurting yourself. Now, this is important as well, and I'll play just a little part of this in regard to New Zealand. Blanket liability indemnity for every single product. Actually, you know what? I'll save this from the show since we have limited time, but I'll play, and I will remember to play this. This is important. It's just him just acknowledging this, calling it out. The point is, it's not just indemnity for one product from before because of an emergency. The Moderna factory being built in New Zealand is now going, or excuse me, in uh, Australia, is now going to be giving indemnity to every single product they produce. It's it's flushed out right in this conversation. Just needs to show, we need to understand. This is like the liability for children that became the liability for everybody. Then it became liability for everybody for COVID-19 shots. And now the point is you, you drift into this area where now where you just can't do anything. Why? Because vaccines are so important. So you can't sue them if they do something wrong? Yes. We're being lied to. We're being led by maniacs. Now, on that point, think about that in the context of what Whitney and I just discussed in regard to the CTI League and her work going long back before this conversation. She's been, she talked, her and I talked about this in 2020, even before, and her work on this goes even before that. The Cyber Threat Intelligence League and its impending false flag. Now, the quick and the long and short of it is they are predicting that we are going to be focused on some kind of massive cyber polygon like we, they've been telling us, right? Well, the CTI League is led, and many of the groups with Whitney, Whitney and I talked about a lot, overlapping in the United States, specifically when it comes to intelligence, national security. Many of the people at the heads of these groups are p former, or rather, there's no such thing as former CIA. Same thing. No such thing as former Unit 8200, Mossad. These are intelligence entities from Israel who are leading things inside this country. If that doesn't worry you, you're a maniac. It should matter if it's an Israeli, a British person, a German person. It, it's a foreign entity who is in charge of things that makes that dictate national security imperative things. It's the same thing we've talked about for any person. And just so it's clear, by the way, well, I, again, limited, limited time. The bottom line is that this is a person who has spent his entire career trying to get the United States to go to war with Iran, who is now in, in charge of this 
national security entwined concept that is allowing people to have this kind of access. They're the ones telling you this is coming. You're going to have a cyber attack. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to be because they want your whatever the narrative was before. They hate your freedom. Some ridiculous variation of that. Well, we already saw this, which kind of went and kind of came and well, this is there's one of there's many that have followed. Iranian attacks on hospitals. Actually, I think this is the, I meant to grab the other one quickly to make the point. The more recent one, Iran was doing something and everyone kind of went like, well, we're focused elsewhere. So now today we have massive China, uh, China cyber attack. Inversion isn't pointed this out. He says, now it's where you go. Now this is where you go read and watch cyber polygon and other related pr uh, preparatory scenarios that they've done in the past few years to see how they will use this narrative for another manufactured cyber pandemic to install more draconian totalitarian measures on the populace. Don't forget, the Biden admin and the FCC passed their new internet control policy a month ago, which everyone has largely forgotten about, right? On top of that, the point is that we already have all of these mechanisms in place to, as WikiLeaks has shown us for a very long time, to initiate these things with the illusion that it's coming from somewhere else. Literally able to leave the digital footprint of whoever they want. That's WikiLeaks exposed that. Everything is on the table and they keep telling you it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then you know what? It happens. Now, could that mean that it just happened? Sure. But we immediately should ask, is this not just them doing what they need to do to get us where they want us to be? China's cyber army is invading, crit invading critical U.S. services, power grid, ports, pipelines, water utilities. Isn't that all the stuff they want to tell you they're trying to reimagine? Which would mean they need to kind of break it down to rebuild it, and this is the perfect excuse they need? Sure, maybe that sounds like conspiracy theory to some people, or it just sounds like the way governments operate if you're intelligent. Chuck Costello, of course, comes in with the hot news that this is true no matter what, because I was told by Fox News. Of course, he says it right down here. Their intel on China is never wrong. If you're following along and listening to somebody intently that, that claims that any intel from our government is never wrong, come on, guys, start questioning who you're listening to. They were warning America months ago. Right, because that's usually how it goes, right? CCP Joe is compromised. <laughs> Probably. So is CCP Trump or... You know, whatever you want to call the the absurd, absurd naivety of claiming that these like the idea that these governments are actively like one guy's the good like to argue that the right wing is like the side going to save you in all this. I, I don't even think he believes that And if he does. We're talking. I mean, it doesn't matter. The point is, you should be asking whether or not this is everything. If you are being set up, not by CCP, Joe, not by China, but by the U.S. government or by somebody else controlling the U.S. government. Right. The idea that this is going to be just exactly what they always told you it was is frustrating. And I said, as he said, China initiates massive cyber attack. Like, let's just say that's what you think it is. Ask yourself why somebody would watch what Fox reports and then just state that online without knowing anything else. Who believes what the corporate media reports with no further due diligence? I said, did they? Is that what Fox told you? Have you even considered that this may be something else entirely? Or would that upset the two-party illusion managers? So I think what's important, guys, is we're going to begin to see this going into the election. Anything likely to get you away from the absolute catastrophe that is what they've allowed to happen in Gaza. Because remember, the U.S. government could pull the plug on the funding of this, weapons and everything else, and it would stop tomorrow. That's been admitted by intel people, intel people from intelligence inside Israel. The bombs, this, everything they're using, it would be tomorrow or when they ran out of what they would need. This, is, this happened, I think it was 2003 with Lebanon. I think it was Reagan. 
basically just was like, that's a Holocaust. Stop. And they ultimately stopped. Of course, you're allowed to call, you know, use these words. Then, <laughs> Anyway, the point is that we need to be on guard for what this may be. Do not fall into the trap of blindly assuming whatever these completely false flag managers will continue to tell you is their adversary's actions. Certainly could be. Now, in with about 20-something minutes left, I'd like to try to just get this out as quick as possible. The point is... We're at a point now where we've gotten over 1,800. Well, it depends on who you're listening to. This this is a, 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 I can't even just about to say this makes me sick, a conservative estimate of what's really going on. 17,700 civilians killed in Gaza, over 7,000 children. I think it was something 70 plus amount women and children. That's coming from the UN. That's coming from even the corporate media at this point, which as always does not mean that means it's true. It simply means that's mass adoption of the very people that were always the ones shouting you down. We're in this weird dynamic now where you can look at the people who they used to call conspiracy theorists and are telling you, this is what's happening. Then you can look at the corporate media and they're going, yeah, yeah, that's what's happening. And then you got people that go, well, we're not going to believe any of it because that means it's like, sometimes you just got to acknowledge that there's a different dynamic going on than just if they say it, therefore it isn't true. Or if they don't say it, therefore it is true. That's never, that's almost never anymore the reality. 18,000 civilians is what we're talking about, guys. As UNRWA points out, the United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency, our staff in Gaza, they take their children to work so they know that they're safe or they can die together. 133 different United Nations colleagues. Now, of course, because Israel just says the UN is now Hamas. Apparently, we just go, oh, okay, so that doesn't matter anymore. But I'll tell you what, if Iran does anything to one of those UN people, oh my God, the whole world would be turned on its head. But because Israel says Hamas is UN over here. We just go, whatever, we'll ignore that. But, you know, when they go, but, but UN, why aren't you calling this thing out over here? Which just happened, by the way. So that means Israel is asking Hamas to do something about what's happening over here? No, it's because they're just lying to you about everything all the time and using what they want when they want. Everything means nothing, nothing means anything. But I'll tell you, they'll happily throw the UN at Iran should they do anything they don't like. Sort of like when they're continuing to use things like these UN... Anyway, everything they do is completely hypocritical, just like the U.S. government. They don't have anything that they care about enough to lie to you but in, in, in the sense of the illusion that they, what, what they are, the integrity aspect. They're not fighting for freedom and human rights and women's rights and LGBTQ rights. They're using these things, which should make those people insulted that they're being used to do the exact opposite around the world. 133 U.N. colleagues killed most of them with their families. Now think about how grotesque it is for people like the Eli Davids and Ben Shapiro's of the world to act like this is justified because it fits their narrative. Because, oh no, we can't pretend that the, U- U- the UN has said things we don't agree with. Therefore, let's just broad stroke the whole thing as Hamas and allow their families to be bombed alongside them. This is never going to go away for these people. If we, like, we need to make sure this never goes away. And I don't mean the sense that like that they need to realize like a Barry Weiss situation now where she made a point to highlight this individual who Israel just assassinated, which is literally what happened. That should never be off of her shoulders. This is just, it makes me really disgusted that we're in a situation where people pretending to be good people fighting for what's right are allowing this to happen. Whatever you think is the reality of the situation. Sam Husseini points out that Francis, uh, Dr. Professor Francis Boyle, who's represented Bosnia at the ICJ, 
against Israel in regard to the Geneva, uh, the genocide convention calls on Ant Antonio Guterres and the other UN officials to start using the, the genocide word calls on UN general assembly, Gen general assembly to suspend Israel, admit Palestine as a full member and set up an international criminal tribunal, which of course is exactly what guarding dark points out. Well, no wonder they want to get rid of the word genocide. What a weird timing, right? I mean, it's, this has got to be one of the most transparent kind of propaganda efforts and very different. Like I, what I said during COVID, I think was one of the most obvious criminal activities. It's been, they're losing control of every information war right now, but this not just has been the most obvious. This has been one of the most clumsy ham fisted kind of collapsing in and upon itself propaganda efforts I've ever seen. Very reactive and very in your face, like jarring people out of the, Slump the propaganda slumber they've been in their entire lives. All of a sudden they go, let's start calling for the genocide convention. Hey, let's stop using the word genocide. Like almost like a knee jerk reaction going right to the wall street journal. Hey, make this article. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's very obvious. This is literally what they're writing. Is it time to retire the word genocide? Why? Well, because it's become a political flashpoint. So what? It's a word with a meaning like this is desperate cover up damage control. And as if you're just going to go, okay, snap your fingers and we no longer use the word genocide. Okay. Like we're all just going to start doing that. Like that's, this is the kind of hubris they have. Like they can just, just go no more genocide word. And we're all just going to go, okay, we'll never use it again. Hardly. Everybody will still use it because we're not children. Now, Scott Horton points out something very important. And this actually come this old well, actually start with what Eddie says here. The Zionists claim that Hamas will never accept peace, which is more so about Palestinians. On uh, December 1st, 20, 2003, Yamed Yassin, leader, founder of Hamas, or at least, again, the, kind of the presentation of this, expressed interest in a long-term truce in exchange for Israel withdrawing from the land it seized after 1967. Now, that is the line we're talking about, right? The idea of going back to original Palestinian territory post-75 years ago, that's just, even in Palestinians' minds, that's not feasible. Because pe people with compassion realize that there are Israelis that were born there today and families that grew up there that have no part in any of this. They just are born into an area. They don't have any choice. So the point is that they are accepting the kind of thing, oh, here's the West Bank, here's Gaza. And, you know, obviously be more going back to 1967 lines and saying two-state solution. The point is, if you really look into this, it's never been an honest situation. As I think Dave Smith discussed in his, in his recent debate, if you want to call it that, that they're on the record, Netanyahu, or rather leaked out, but that there were so many poison pills, and he's talking about one of these discussions, one of the most prominent, that they had put inside of this deal that they knew that it would not be accepted. Of course, then when Palestine turns it down, they go, see, they don't want peace, knowing they were sabotaging it. But you don't need to look further than to realize that they were funding Hamas for the purpose of maintaining the excuse to never accept a two-state solution. It's always been there that they've never, and that's my point, that they, if you listen to what they say in public or to the media in Israel, usually in Hebrew, they're saying, we will never allow a two-state solution. Now they're just saying it to anybody who will listen. That's always been the case. But he's saying at this time, in 2003, he, he expressed a desire for that. Three months later, Israel assassinated him with a Hellfire missile, just like many of the Israeli Jews that were killed during the festival and everything else by the IDF. Other leaders reiterated the sentiment and pinned a 10-year line to it. Zionists say Palestinians elected Hamas. They don't want peace. 
the election was 2006. Hamas won with 44% of the vote. It was a plurality, not a majority. They won, a, oh, as he just says there, Fatah won 41%. Based on exit polls, 83% of Palestinians wanted peace and for Hamas to end its call for the end of Israel. You see how these important contextual points get ignored? You'll be forgiven for caring about context, as it seems that the entire push right now from Israeli sycophants for Zionism are that, or rather, it's actually the other way around. What's funny is the word context is being used in a very manipulative way right now, acting like context doesn't matter, or rather that it does only when you want it to. The point is context obviously matters is the point that I'm making, right? You don't just get to go, you can't say this phrase, except Zionists can. From the river to the sea, you're a terrorist, except we can say it and it's okay. Context obviously matters. Now, if I get a time, I'll make a point about that. I've been meaning to make a general point about that absurd Harvard discussion, which I'm all I'm all the first one to point out the woke mindset, the, the overwhelming thing that's happening in all colleges. And all, But the point is that the idea of kind of just muscling in the argument that anybody saying this is genocide, therefore, do you condemn all the genocide happening? It's a trick statement, and you know that. The point is, saying the things you're claiming are genocide are not genocide. So you're, it's a trap of a statement, and then when they refuse to answer the trap of a statement, you go, we got you. <laughs> it's, it's just dumb two-party politics. It happens every single time. Those people are, if you, if you want to get into the conversation of trans information or, or what they're teaching schools, they're horrible people. I'm not defending the people in these colleges for the most part. The point is, in this dynamic, it's obviously being manipulated. But the point was, 83% wanted peace. Israel responded with brutality and destruction. Their isolation and punishment of Hamas led to Hamas seizing total control of Gaza, which, by the way, remember, they were secretly keeping this going. And there's a lot of links in here if you want to check this out. Now, he point, he tags this. Washi tagged this and said, Zionists hate the prospect of peace. When Palestinians showed 80% support, they blockaded them and sought to bomb them and torture the notion out of them. Now, this one says, he, he, Scott Horton writes, if you have the heart to bear witness, replace the missing T in this URL and to watch Biden and Netanyahu murder a little girl, which is disgusting. Sad link. The point is, there's a lot of graphic things happening right now. This is Sheikh Ahmed Yassin. This person writes, founder of the Hamas movement. See what he says about Jews and Americans. Kill, Israel killed him with a missile while he was on a wheelchair. And he just simply says, the IDF killed former Israeli divide and conquer sock puppet Yassin two months after he said he was sick of fighting and wanted to sign off on a two-state solution. This just getting the point is they do not want this from a Zionist perspective. It's a tool to keep people where they want them. And just again, in case you haven't seen this, and this is from Haaretz, this was posted in 2019. Oh no, excuse me. This was, this was a statement from 2019 posted two days after October 7th. Again, just making it very clear from Haaretz. Quoting Netanyahu, anyone who wants to thwart the establishment of a Palestinian state. You know, the thing that Biden tells you he wants, he does not, if that's not clear. Anybody who wants to thwart the thing he claims he wants needs to support funding and transferring money to Hamas. And he says, this is part of our strategy to isolate the Palestinians in Gaza from the West Bank. Does that sound like somebody who honestly wants this, but the bad guys won't let him? I mean, it's just this stupidly obvious. I'll include this uh, Swiss policy research article on why Israel created Hamas. It's an it's a good breakdown. There's good information in there. Now, Salomon Ahmed points out, and this is just a video that you uh, you might have seen. I think this is reasonably this is, has to do with Gaza and ISIS elements. Simply, this the main point is really just the sentiment, but saying that what we will do, what we did there, we will do in Gaza with the permission of Allah. Gaza will see blood. 
our point has been that from before, Hamas and, and ISIS are not on the same side. You know why? Because ISIS is aligned with the West. <gasps> oh my God, what a contentious state. It shouldn't be. It's very easy to prove. And so and we have, we've done this with many different things. Oh, if this even comes up. See if that loads for me. Point. Ben Swan's documentary, James Corbett's three-part documentary, or many other easily easily provable documents show you the, the these are proxy enemies or proxy armies, enemies to us, that are used by your governments. That doesn't mean every single part of it, just like Hamas or anything else. Like it's it's a it's a nebulous concept of people and how they feel. But the ultimate leadership and point, I'll, I'll, talking about the Mujahideen to Al Qaeda to ISIS to to Al Taytir Al Sham to Hamas to the things we're talking about, or excuse me, not but uh, the well the or the original aspects of it, not necessarily that it's become. Like it's the same thing you talk about the idea that Saudi Arabia admitted that ISIS elements, I they ultimately lost control of them throughout the Middle East. But that still that still proves that, or you could still prove that they were funded and created and used, flown around, armed, given medical treatment by the West, Israel in that case. So in this point, what he's making is ISIS attacks Hamas in this video. ISIS said the following about them, basically that they will see blood. So why does that make sense? Well, it makes sense when you realize that Israel in particular is an acute, is a, 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 a central part in what these things are. So just like I point out when all of a sudden you see the ice elements in the Middle East start attacking the enemies of the United States and Israel, right? When this all starts, well, what do you know? Same kind of thing. And here's just to put a fine point on it, written by Whitney Webb in 2017. Israeli website claims ISIS commander revealed as Mossad agent. This is uh, according to the report from Israeli website, two of them. Libyan security forces arrested an ISIS commander in the city of Benghazi, only to find out soon after that the man they had captured was Ephraim Benjamin, also known as an agent of Mossad, the Israeli intelligence service. Benjamin, who was known in Libya as Abu Hafs, had begun work in Libya after 2011 NATO-led invasion of Libya, of course, that had ousted Gaddafi, you know, that Clinton was a part of. So what do you think about that? Let's look at the website. Oh, what do you know? It's no longer there. Oops, wrong button. It's gone. It's almost like these things are being removed, but lucky for you, we found it on the way back machine. A Mossad agent, and this is an Israeli platform, guys. You can look it up for yourself. Who was an imam was arrested at an ISIS center in Libya, which is, this is not just some fringe thing. This is pretty widely reported. Point is deleted now. But the reality is, guys, that there's a lot of evidence to show you. And again, we've gone over this extensively over the years. ISIS being flown via helicopter or ISIS elements being in Al-Tamf or in the middle of the Yemen area controlled by Saudi Arabia. I mean, it's, it's literally slapping you in the face everywhere you look. Or how about the fact that their war on terror, by their own admission, only grew the problem? Maybe that's because they weren't actually at war with those people. The point is that this is an, uh, an a Mossad agent who's caught leading an element of ISIS. Or the, even as Jimmy Dore just talked about on his show, the classic concept of the real name of the intelligence, the Israeli sec, uh, uh, secret intelligence services, which is actually what they call Mossad or the overlaps, which just so happens to be the acronym for ISIS. You could say that's just a coincidence, but the point is it's obvious there's more to this. And one more point, this is from a recent one from yesterday. Even the New York Times buying quiet inside the Israeli plan that propped up Hamas. Now, of course, what they claim 
and you could believe, you could read it this way if you want, that Netanyahu gambled that a strong Hamas, but not too strong, would keep the peace, that's the part that I disagree with, and reduce pressure for a Palestinian state. Look at that. The fact that they're even reporting that, that provably that he was funding the very people that just murdered Israelis in order to stop the thing he claims he wants. See my point, guys? They've lost control of this. Now, I do understand the sentiment that this is, you know, a controlled release. And yes, we should be on guard for that. That's just as light now. It's 50-50 in my mind. But that doesn't mean we should ignore the information coming out. Take advantage of that because this is true. Or you may, if you disagree with that, then yeah, then disagree with that. But my point is that if you see this as the reality, but are cautious to talk about it because you feel that it's a trap somehow, you know, it's, it's, we have to acknowledge the truth, but just be on guard for how this might be, you know, the idea, for instance, that this is supposed to be like the showing the West turning on Israel and then creating some kind of world war and certainly possible, but still acknowledge that this is the reality of Israel and the reality that people hopefully inside the elements of the government have some kind of accountability. But all it simply says is, for years, the Qatari government has been sending millions of dollars to the Gaza Strip. Look, let's not forget, Qatar is the one mediating the discussions between Hamas and Israel. Netanyahu openly stated he will not go after Qatar during this, even though the leaders have bases in central Qatar. Like, how do you not read into that? That's obviously like, well, we're only going after the... So if you're pretending this is about eliminating Hamas... And he's allowing the leadership to safely stay in an area with a government that's mediating conversations. It's clearly not about eliminating them. It's about killing as many Palestinians as possible while maintaining their divisive element that they can use whenever they want. Money that helped prop up the mosque government there inside of Qatar. The Be- Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel not only tolerated those payments, he encouraged them. It's exactly what we've been telling you the whole time. And here I'll include the link here to... James Corbett's excellent documentary. Now, we've got about, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. I want to include this. This is important. Danielle Motos just pointed out a photo of what used to be the Shijaya heavily populated residential neighborhood in Gaza. Now, I want you to look at this picture. What you're seeing, by the way, look at just like to the, to the horizon, the absolute decimation. Not a single building you can see. Those were buildings behind there. It's all broken. It's all bombed. Just carpet bombed. All of which, by the way, could have been full of the very same hostages they claim they're trying to keep safe. By the way, which pretty much every, everyone in Israel is now screaming about. I shouldn't be so hyperbolic, but I, a lot of people in Israel. My point, though, this is not what you do when you're trying to go after Hamas. Bringing in construction. And, I mean, yes, they use militarized bulldozers. My point is that you can see that they're leveling this ground. Of course, you could argue it's about some kind of military objective and moving out. I'm sure, certainly possible. I would argue that this is not that. What I said, I, I, this is this is how I see this. Well, the kind of joke I put, I said, because obviously it's of paramount importance in the fight against only Hamas, which obviously not what's happening, to level the homes of Palestinians readying it for the Israeli settlements. This is just common sense in the fight against only Hamas. Totally not about displacement and resettlement. Only about Hamas. Guys, it's just strikingly obvious to me. It's and again, I don't even know. I don't have to convince anybody. Their plans have made this clear. The New York Times have covered those plans. It's out there, and yet we still pretend because Fox and CNN and Biden tell you that that's just how it's going. Oh, they're pinpoint targeting Hamas. They're going to get it done. It's fighting for freedom. They're literally ethnically cleansing. They're literally committing genocide. They are literally driving people into a corner and continuing to bomb them in that corner 
And now they're beginning to level the ground and they're planting flags. I mean, my God, it couldn't be more obvious. This is what Eli David shared the other day. Leveled area in the middle of a town square with an Israeli flag right in the middle because they're going to let him come back, right? Well, here's the point I made earlier. Now, my point in this discussion is to make it obvious to you that what they're trying to do is not just move some bad guys out of the way. They're trying to move everybody they see as bad guys out of the way, which in tight, which means all Palestinians. As they have explicitly said, anybody pushing back on that today is just a liar or not that smart because they're telling you that. But as I said, well, first of all, Eli David posted this picture today. Literally says, from the river to the sea, that's the flag you're going to see with an Israeli flag covering all of the Gaza Strip. Think about that. Think about how ridiculous that is. As I said, if this were a Palestinian saying this, according to Elon Musk, it would be, quote, promoting genocide. But since it's a lunatic on Twitter who's called for genocide of Palestinians numerous times, which he literally has, it's all good. What an insultingly obvious double standard. And I'm not calling for censorship. Eli David has every right to be as, as ridiculous as he wants every day on this platform. The point is that that is being censored if a Palestinian says it. Or if I were to simply literally write from the river to the sea and showing a Palestinian flag, that's the flag you're going to see, that will be called genocide. You know it. I'm, somebody should try it. They'll probably get their account deleted. But he absolutely can do it. And here he is making this clear that when they say that, what they mean is we're going to keep bombing this area until we get rid of everybody there, including all the hostages, by the way. So he says, priceless, Israel ambassador to the UN trolls the secretary general, right? Because that's normal policy of governments, right? Law, decorum, and, and respect, you just troll the united body that you use against other people all the time, right? These people just have no respect for anything. But it's after Guterres said he will not give up until a ceasefire is reached, Erdogan said Israel will not give up until Hamas is annihilated. See the point? So Ceasefire means everybody stops. Not stopping until Hamas is annihilated means only they keep going until everybody's gone. That's really what this means, guys, because they're like, every time they say, well, they moved them over here. Now we got a bomb there. Are they proving Hamas is there? No, they're saying we did this area. Now we're going to do that area until everything is completely gone. And then look back and say, are there any people left we can possibly save? The point is, so your, so your point is that, that only one of them cares about the Israelis held in Gaza? Interesting tactic. Why don't you think it's important to bring the hostages home? Are you anti-Semitic? Of course, because, you know, throwing that, that simple game back in their face. You just must be a racist, because that's the only argument you can have. But the point is that the United States was the only, only group to veto the ceasefire. They vetoed the ceasefire. Everybody else, even the UK, just said present. They vetoed it. Because they, they want this to continue. They want to continue the absolute mass genocide of an entire people, which human rights groups around the world, ge genocide scholars, UN human rights lawyers, all of them say the same thing, but it doesn't matter because Israel disagrees. Because how often do you listen to the party committing the genocide when you decide whether or not it's genocide, right? Classic. But realize that this all shows you that they don't care about people on the ground. But the an interesting point is, even though they ceased, they vetoed the ceasefire, Rana points out, basically says that Egypt and uh, Murantania have invoked uh, UN Resolution 377, uniting for peace to address Gaza genocide. Basically, it means if they, basically to make it quick, if one of these five permanent members vetoes this and, you know, just continues to stop the group will, which there shouldn't be people that can veto the group will, quite frankly. 
The point is that they can initiate this resolution, which means that they then have a responsibility to act to maintain our national peace, basically calling out the group that's vetoing it as if they're deliberately main, which we know is what's happening. As it says, the U.S. can't veto this. So it's going to go back around. They can vote, but now it can't be vetoed. So let's see what happens. This will show you the true colors. Israel's government puts this out back to the people that they're killing right now, by the way, in Gaza. Tonight, as we celebrate the fourth night of Hanukkah, it says yesterday, we ask that you light the four candles for the Bibas family who is currently being held. You know how disgusting that is? Israel knows these people are dead. And I say that with a heavy heart because it's disgusting that this even happened. It's disgusting they were kidnapped by Hamas. It's disgusting that Israel didn't care about them. Film yourselves lighting these menorahs. The point is, as I said, sadly, they were killed by Israeli airstrikes. And you already know this. Since you refused to accept their bodies when Hamas offered for them, which was one of the reasons they argued this whole ceasefire broke up, or why it did, and pretended something else happened, because I don't think they wanted that to be discussed. Even released Israelis are right now admitting this, by the way. They've already been killed by the IDF indiscriminate bombing. This is Noam Dan who is right now saying or was in front of Israel's government. I want you to, I want to know if we're given, if you've given up on us or where was it right here? It said, what she said is we know for sure in this quote that three people were killed by our fire, three hostages. What's interesting about that. Yeah, it's right there. So they know, they know that they were killed and yet they're still trying to use their memory to act like they're, that they're still alive. So when they later get admitted to be killed, they're going to blame it on Hamas, even though we know this was their, their bombings. Eli David doing the same thing. This baby still held hostage. And nope, he knows they're dead too. How disgusting is that? They don't care about these people. Here is another person admitting on the record that they watched the IDF kill people. Adi Dagan, who was one of the 14 Israeli captives apparently killed by the Israeli military in a house in Kibbutz Barry on October 7th. His wife, Hadas Dagan, is the only survivor. She has finally broken her silence to give her account of that day. It's in, this is in uh, subtitles, so you can see in general. These children, it says, I heard the screaming of children. Help, please help. Please, I'm begging. Please come here, help me. These are the children. She says, I'll never forget the children's screams. How they scream for help. The barrages, again and again, barrages. This is the tanks firing on the houses they were in. And what they said is even the, the terrorists alongside them were hiding next to them. The forces who shot the missiles toward the house and barrages again and again. They're admit, th this is the IDF killing people indiscriminately. That is the Hannibal Directive. Now, I'm going to have to take off right now, guys, but I just want to point out, as I said, after being forced to admit not only that, mo that most of their major claims made by the IDF were spectacular, were specifically fake, but also being caught numerous times staging scenes, deleting claims, even by the mainstream media. Why does anybody take these gun reveals at face value? All I'm saying is we can prove they lied about this stuff. We can prove, according to even Haaretz, they lied about the baby in the oven. They lied about the woman's stomach being cut open. They lied about the 40 beheaded babies. Even this article discusses the lack of evidence around the rape allegations, which again, they're pushing out with this new article. How Hamas use sexual violence. Well, you don't know that, New Yorker. You're repeating what IDF says they've seen, and all of that has yet to be proven, according to anybody in a field that actually calls, like, journalists are calling them out, going, where's the evidence? So the problem is we have a lot of this stuff. I was going to show you this, for example. I just think it's more propaganda they're pushing out. Israel's going, oh, look at this guy drove out to his partner to, to propose to him. It's the, in English, directed at a Western audience. You know why? 
because they want you to think it's something that you're fighting for. But as Kim Iverson rightly points out, gays can't even legally marry in Israel. And if they're two different religions, they also can't marry. So you guys are liars. They're just trying to convince, emotionally manipulate. IDF forces giving a newborn puppy nutrients and water to rescue him. Sure, I guess it could be possible. What a pathetic attempt to manufacture public support. I agree. My point is, only London pointing this out makes me think, the bottom line is we've watched them destroy and bomb buildings full of animals and people. We've watched them leave babies to rot inside of their houses. We've watched them not treat animals. I mean, there's a million examples. So this does not ring true for me. And as Aviva Klumpus points out, scrawled in the wall of a Hebrew school in San Francisco, children arrive to the classes to see a message, kill Jews. It says, free Gaza, kill Jews. Then says, Allah Akbar. Well, as Kim says, this happened at a Hebrew school where all the kids are Jewish, meaning a Jewish kid wrote this on the wall so you could spread it around for shock. How about the fact that it's also misspelled, that there is no such thing as Allah Akbar, it is Allah, it's, it's spelled with a U. Anybody knowing that and meaning this in a way that would know that. More of this kind of manipulation is going to start to happen. Now here, I don't know whether this is the case or not, but we are seeing this. Eli David says it makes me very skeptical. Jewish man assaulted New York City whilst the attacker yelled, you dirty Jew. Well, certainly there are racists. There are people that don't like Jews, people that don't like black people, people that don't like white people. They're all racist. The point is that because this one man does this, does this somehow mean that everybody chanting from the river to the sea or free Palestine are all killing Jews in Harvard? No. You guys are shamelessly trying to conflate these things because you're desperate. And here's another gun reveal. Here's some still pictures of guns lined up. Can you? Does it prove everything to you? Now, I'll get to the other parts soon. I got to rush off, guys, so I'm not going to miss the other interview. But tune in with Misty. I believe it's going to be live on TNT Radio. Thank you all for tuning in today. I will most likely be getting to a show the day after tomorrow. Try to tomorrow if I can. But thank you for continuing to support this platform, guys. I love you all. Bottom of my heart. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.